Today's message is going to be a game changer for some people here today. And if this word just hits you between the eyes and, you, and, and you're going, who told him about me? It was Holy Spirit. And you go, okay, now wait a minute, Pastor Dean. How did you know? <clears throat> Holy Spirit. And, and he was working this message in my heart before I ever flew to Florida a week ago. And by Thursday, it was pretty well, it was pretty well set up for today. But it is for you right now. So I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer right now. And I'm going to ask you to prepare your heart to receive it. Would you just open your heart to hear what God is saying to you? Would you join me? Father, I know you have a word for this church family today. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, that you will open their eyes and open their hearts to hear to see and to receive what you're speaking right now. That there will come deep healing in lives and victory will be won. Today will be a game changer for many in this room, Lord. And Father, I pray that you will empower me. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit. Take my mind, take my tongue, take my whole being. And may they be instruments in your hand to speak God's message right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. I give you praise, Lord, in the holy name of Jesus. May I hear an amen? Amen. 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 <clears throat> August the 26th, that's a Saturday, men. August 26th. One of our missionaries, Mario Ducic, is going to be speaking for a men's breakfast that morning. We're doing a special breakfast that morning on August the 26th. That's a Saturday morning, 7.30, a great country breakfast, grits, red-eyed gravy, black-eyed peas. No, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, would you believe sausage and gravy? <laughs> it's going to be a great country breakfast. And, uh, and uh, Mario Ducic will be with us. He's going to be sharing that morning. You're going to enjoy that. You don't want to miss that morning. It's going to be a great, great time. So uh, Pastor Reagan, is he, he's, he's on our safety team this morning also. So he's probably out walking the building. But uh, He's going to be leading. It'd be a great morning. You don't want to miss that. Could you mark that date down special? August 26th, 730 in the morning. And join us. Excuse me. 25th. Is it 26th on Sunday? Well, he's preaching for us on Sunday morning here. So uh, 25th, the Saturday, 26th, the Sunday. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. (laughs) Sarge, thanks for keeping me in line. Okay. Oh, gosh. The devil and his demons will try everything within their power to defeat you and to keep you as a prisoner to worry, fear, and anxiety. He he has no problem with you believing It doesn't bother him at all that you believe in God and that you believe in Jesus Christ, that you believe Jesus rose from the dead, that you believe. 
if he can still keep you as a prisoner of war to worry, fear, and anxiety. There are some of you, you have, you have days and maybe even seasons where it's very dark. Your thoughts are negative. You're discouraged. You feel hopeless. There's despair. You may even have trouble sleeping because of worry, anxiety, struggling with fear. And there's some in this room, it's not just days and brief seasons. You go through months. In fact, you can't remember the last time you really laughed. I'm not talking about a smile or a chuckle. I'm talking about really having a good laugh. Because for you, life is lived out of drama and despair. Your whole life is controlled by, by great fluctuations of emotion. You live with worry and fear and anxiety. You may even have thoughts of suicide. Because for you, hope is gone. And you can't see any way of getting back there. The enemy has imprisoned you in his dungeon. And you're born again. And you may be even at some point in your life spoke in tongues. But you can't see out. You live in this prison. My message today is that there is real, authentic hope. There is real, genuine, authentic hope. Not just a goosebumpy feeling. But authentic hope where you can live every day with the assurance of hope. Where you can live every day in the confidence and knowing your life is not over. This isn't all there is. There is so much more. And I am on the journey of life with the Lord Jesus Christ called resurrection living. And I get to live resurrection life now as well as eternal life with Jesus in heaven. Real hope. Remember we talked a couple of weeks ago that some of the giants of faith that we have in scripture, that they wrestled and struggled with worry, fear, and anxiety. Woofa. There are people that struggle with faff, thop, 
and woofa. Fear of failure, fear of people, and worry, fear, and anxiety. And their whole life is, is out of that. Abraham, Miriam, Elijah, Esther, King David, they struggled with worry, fear, and anxiety. And, and some of the choices they made during those seasons when they were struggling with that was really dumb. I mean, I don't know how... how I, I, there are just times you can't fix stupid. And, and how stupid is it to have killed Goliath and then out of fear, worry, and anxiety, you go to his hometown where his four brothers are still living? I mean, like, can you spell stupid? You know? And the only way he got out of there was he acted like a crazy man. And, and the king, Agag, goes, really? You don't think I have anything better to do than to deal with a stupid crazy man? Get him out of here. And then David, then David got his smarts back and he went to the cave of Adullam which was his, they called it his fortress also in scripture. That's where he would always meet with God. David's best decisions came when he was at Adullam, waiting on God. And so what does he do? He gets out of Gath, he goes to Adullam. David, David. Why? Well, the other decision was made out of Wufa. That decision was made out of faith in God. How many see the difference? And it wouldn't take, it wouldn't take giving you 20 minutes that you could think back to a time when you made dumb because of woofa. And now we want to get you back to faith. Come on. Because every one of these, every one of these, they found their faith again and they beat worry, fear, and anxiety to the ground and they walked in faith and we know them as giants of God only because they defeated worry, fear, and anxiety and they walked in the might and power of faith in Jesus Christ. Come on, amen? But they're real people. They're real people just like you. And what it took for them to win is the same thing you can win also every time. Amen? And we looked two weeks ago, we looked at four of those points, and I'm going to have you read them with me. These were the four points we looked at. Read the first one with me. Affirm the victories of Jesus. Amen. In your heart, in your mind, you have to reaffirm the victories that Jesus won for you. Amen. But it doesn't stop there. Then say it with me, you got to renew the spirit of your mind. Okay, that was really good. Thank you, all five of you. Now let's all of us read it, okay? Here we go. All right, here we go. Everyone together. Renew the spirit of your mind. Got to renew the spirit of your mind. Stinking thinking kills you. And then this one. This one isn't so much fun, but it's good. Everyone together. Take personal responsibility for your thoughts, emotions, and behavior. This next one's even gooder. <laughs> okay, here we go. 
I learned to say that when I was finishing my PhD. Here we go. Ready? Don't blame others or make excuses for negative emotions, behavior, and wrong thoughts. Wow. Now, I know those last two, they're not so much fun. But listen, they're critical. You you will not walk in the power of a renewed mind if you're not taking personal responsibility and if you don't make the choice to stop blaming. Well, my God, I grew up and stop it. Maybe that's how you grew up, but you don't have to live there. Jesus Christ has redeemed you. Affirm the victories Christ won for you and walk in those. Don't live in your past. Don't blame others. Don't blame circumstances. Take personal responsibility and walk out of that stuff. Amen? Amen. Now we've got, we got to step into the next principle because this is critical to walking consistently. We don't want it to be just an emotional catharsis. We want to walk into it consistently, victoriously every day of our life. Amen? Okay, here's the next step. You ready? We're going to find it in Matthew chapter 13. But before we go there, let's read our base scripture that we're doing this whole series on, okay? It's found in 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read it out loud together. Everyone, please. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us succeeding great and precious promises, that through these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control. Woo! Turn to your neighbor and say, I like that scripture. I like it. I like it. That's good. Woo! We're learning to walk and live the incredible life. And this part of walking and living the incredible life is learning to live victoriously, consistently. Not just once in a while, not just... Not just when we come up and we fall under the power of Almighty God and we get them and go, boy, that was a great service. <clears throat> and then tomorrow we're back to normal. Are you kidding me? Why go back to normal? How about starting to live in the new normal? Living resurrection life. Amen. Amen. Jesus gave us a parable in Matthew chapter 13 that is the next principle that we have to apply in our life. It's, it's most commonly known as the parable of the sower. But the parable is not about the sower. The sower is only mentioned in the first verse. The parable is about the heart. Now let that sink in a moment. The parable is about the heart. Jesus said it like this. He said there was a sower that went to sow. And he sowed seed. And some of the seed fell on the path. And because it was a hard beaten path, the seed didn't go down in the ground and the birds came and ate the seed. And some seed fell on rocky soil. Because the soil was rocky, it sprang up to life, but it, it couldn't take deep roots. And so when the sun came out, 
it withered quickly because it didn't have root. And some fell among the weeds and it took root and it sprang up, but then it was choked out by the weeds. And then he said, but some fell on good soil and brought forth 40 and 60 and a hundredfold. Amen? The parable is about the heart. The sower is only mentioned right at the beginning. The rest of it is all about the condition of the heart. He said, the, the seed is the word of God. The sower is the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the Holy Spirit. The heart is the soil. And it's all about when the word of God is preached, when you read the word of God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is bringing that word into your heart, what is the condition of your heart and how is the seed going to be able to flourish in your life? And that has everything to do with defeating Wufa. It has everything to do with how well you're going to consistently live victorious in your life. It has everything to do with how strong your spiritual life is going to become. Because for many of you, when you hear the word of God, it falls on a hard beaten path. There are so many people that have spoken into your life and are still speaking into your life. And when the word of God comes and the word of God says, you can be healed. When the word of God says, you can be healed, what you hear is, well, but the doctor said it's cancer. What you hear is, but the doctor said that, uh, I, that there's no hope. What you hear is your relative saying, are you kidding me? You don't really believe that stuff. That's just old fables. You, what you hear is preachers that have said, well, this is a new dispensation and God's not healing today. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for today. People don't speak in tongues today. And that's what you're hearing. Instead of hearing the word of God, by the way. The only place it says where tongues is going to cease is in 1 Corinthians 13. When it talks about when that which is perfect has come. And by the way, has anybody besides me noticed Jesus Christ has not come back yet? Has anybody besides me noticed that? Five of you, the rest of you, where are you living? Are you thinking the rapture took place already and you missed it? (laughs) I don't think so. That which is from hasn't come yet. And so it's not stopped. Baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues hasn't stopped. God still heals the same Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he said, truly, truly, I say to you, Whosoever believes in me, unless they live in 2018, whosoever believeth in me shall do the works that I do and greater works than these shall you do. Really? Is that what it says? Or does he say just whosoever believes in me? See, we can do the same works Jesus did. But see, when it falls on that hard beaten path, and can I say to some of you, you spend 20 times the amount of time you spend in the word listening to conservative talk show hosts, shut them off and turn the word of God on. 
you are, you are beating that path down to where you can no longer believe God will work today. Because you're just, you're just looking at it going, things are hopeless. It's horrible. We're in terrible shape. Oh, this is awful. Oh, wow. The progressives are in da, da, da. And, and you're, you are so beaten down. Or maybe you're on the other side of the aisle and, and, and you're listening to all the progressive. You're listening to the PNR and those others. And you're hearing, and you're hearing all how bad it is, and how divided it is, and how horrible it is. And your and your path is being beaten just as hard, folks. Can I tell you that that is hindering the church from being able to believe God that the greatest revival in the history of mankind is yet before us. The holy word of God promises the greatest move of the Holy Spirit is going to happen in the last days. Yeah, true, true. The world is going to be in an upheaval headed towards World War III. True, there are going to be those who hate God and it's going to flourish. But I want to tell you, while all of that is going on, the greatest move of the Holy Spirit, Scripture promises that that is when he's going to pour out his spirit and we're going to see a move of God like we have never seen in the history of mankind. It's in the Word going to believe the word or you're going to believe the, the talking heads believe the word of God yes. we've got to get back to the word of God folks we've got to silence these other voices and get the word of God speaking loud and clear and powerful in our heart so faith will rise and we can pull out the weeds and we can pull out the stones and we can plow up that which has been beaten hard so the word of God can flourish in our life and faith can grow and we can walk in resurrection life. Amen? Amen. Wow. Got to share a nugget with you. Don't, I, I don't have time to develop this. I'm just going to give you the nugget, and you just take and run with it. And I'm, I'm going to write a blog on this here probably in the, in the next month. But, but listen, the greatest moves of God in American history came just before our greatest wars. Just before the Revolutionary War was the first great awakening. The second great awakening took place just before the Civil War. Just before World War I, the war to end all wars. Well, that didn't work, did it? Just before World War I, we had, a, we had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the hills of Tennessee and at Azusa Street, the Pentecostal movement. Just before World War II, the great tent revivals were going across America. And just before the great society of Lyndon Johnson and the Vietnam War, we had the Jesus People Movement and the Charismatic Renewal. Come on! Yes, yes, yes. Really? Yes. Don't see it dark. We are living in the greatest time of history for the move of God. Yes. Come on. Come on. Let faith rise in your heart. It's not hopeless. You're just listening to the wrong voices. I better move on. We're still at the path. I haven't got to the rocks yet. (laughs) How many want to hear about the rocks? Oh, thank you. Good. Okay. (laughs) Rocky soil goes one of two ways. Rocky soil, those hearts... 
that have those hard places because of disappointment, disillusionment, because there's been wounding, because of resentment and bitterness. So there's, there's, those, there's those rocky places. Well, I don't know if I can trust preachers. After all, you know what happened to so-and-so. Well, you know, I don't know if I can trust men that, you, you, know, you know what my first husband did. Well, I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can trust men. You know what my dad was like. Well, I don't know about, you know, oh, women, you know, women, you know. And we, and we, we, get, we, we get these hard places. Yeah. Well, I, I asked God and God didn't answer me about that. So I don't know if I can trust God. Well, if God, if God really loved me and cared about me, how come he let me get in that car wreck? How come he let me get cancer? How come he let me... These disappointments, disillusionments, distortions, woundings, resentment, bitterness. It causes rocky places in our heart. And when the word of God sows, yeah, it springs up to life initially, but it has no root. There's no stability in their life. When winds of adversity blow, they quickly come unrooted because, because it doesn't go deep because of the rocky places. Now, there's another thing that happens, and that is when, when they're plowing a field, if they keep plowing that field at the same depth time and time again, the, the pressure of that plow builds what's called hard pan. And so about this deep, there's this great fresh soil that is loose and the seed can, can grow, but the roots can only go down so far. They get down so far beneath that, there's this hard pan. And the only way you can deal with hard pan is you have to get a deeper plow, a, a stronger plow, and you got to go down and you got to break up that hard pan so that the loose soil goes down deep. And the same thing happens in the hearts of believers. We go this deep, we go this deep, we let Holy Spirit work this deep, we let Holy Spirit work this deep, but we don't let him go any deeper. We don't want to obey any further. Well, that's getting a little fanatical, don't you think? Well, you know, well, people, they may not say it that way, but they, but come on. That Holy Ghost stuff, I don't know about that. That's kind of weird, you know. Can I tell you? God does mighty things, but God isn't into weird. That's right. And I'm not either, by the way. I love Holy Spirit working, but don't give me the weird. Because you can have mighty works of God and miracles and power of God without having the weird. The Holy Spirit's real. But folks, listen, we, we hold God at distances and it has to do with the level that we're willing to obey his word. And, and we will do things like, well, you know what, what it says about that. That's just cultural, you know. Really? So what you're saying is, is the word of God is true until it hits something culturally that you don't want to deal with. That you until it hits your favorite little sin that you don't want to give up. And we hold God there. And that's what that is, by the way. Yeah. It's us hanging on to a sin that we don't want to give up. We say, well, that's just cultural. What scripture says about, about alcohol? You know, after all, you know, Jesus turned water into wine. Come on. 
I got some fun things on that. I, I wrote an entire book on a biblical perspective of alcoholic beverages. You really, you really, folks, listen. I love, I love what, what our, our presiding bishop, Dr. Hill, said about it this week. He said, preachers, all those questions and things you have about strong drink would be resolved if you just let Holy Ghost fire work in your church. And that's true. These things that we wrestle with. I love asking people, I say, okay, let's just not argue scripturally. Just please tell me one good thing that comes out of the use of alcohol. If you can tell me one good thing that comes out of the use of alcohol, I may be willing to take a second look at it, but they can't. That's why scripture says it's foolishness. But see, folks, and I'm, I'm, I'm not using this to hammer on alcohol today. I'm wanting you to see you've got to let the plow of God go deeper in your life because you build, you build a hard pan and that's as far as you can grow spiritually until you let almighty God plow deeper in your life. And the issue, and one of the things I found about God, God is very patient with us. When I first got saved, I had a, I had a mouth that worse than a sailor. I'm t- I, I actually had times I would make grown men blush. I, my, I was so, because I was so filled with anger. There was so much anger inside of me. Because I, I, I was, I totally believed I was a throwaway human being. And there was so much anger inside of me. And the first thing God dealt with was my tongue. He didn't deal with my dating first. He got there. <laughs> it needed cleaning up really good. He got there, but he started with my mouth. And then slowly he worked in my life. And God would work as far as I would let him in. And the more I did this, the deeper he worked in my heart until finally when I went like this, I discovered he's not taking anything away from me. He is opening to me resurrection life at a level I would never have dreamed I could live. I didn't know you could live with so much joy and peace. I mean, it was like, it was like an arena of life that was just like, are you kidding me? We really get to live this way? And we have seen the most amazing miracles in our life. And we would never have seen if I'd have kept God here. And I'm urging you, let God go deep in your heart. Let him go deep. Don't hold him at bay. Don't get stuck on all that stuff. Just go, okay, God, come on, just take it all. Take it all. Weeds in our hearts. Weeds are the cares of life. And and, and that that goes one of two directions. The first direction is, is stuff that we just let crowd our life we, we get so busy we don't have time to let God work in our life we want to have a sermonette and we want to have a scripturette that we can read while we're microwaving our coffee that's a terrible way to have coffee really you want instant coffee where you heat the water Are you? that's not coffee that's just dark water. <laughs> Real coffee takes time to brew. And you got to mix the mixture right. 
And if you haven't noticed, I'm a snob about my coffee. You see, but life is that way. You know, we, we, we live life so fast. We don't have time. We don't have time to go into the Holy of Holies. We're running and going, God, just give it to me quick. Just give it to me quick. And, uh, how much time you spend in prayer? I got about three minutes. Well, I pray on my way from work. How long it take you to get from work to, to home? Well, well five minutes. That's, that's, that's your prayer life. That's your time in the Word. Because you don't have to, we're so busy. You see, church, the church family has bought in. We have drank the Kool-Aid of our culture. And it goes like this. Well, we're going to keep our kids off of drugs and stuff. We got to keep them busy. That's so we keep them busy. They're in fall sports, winter sports, spring sports, summer sports, and they're going all the time. They're, they don't have time to be in youth group. They don't have time to get to church. They don't have time to get grounded in the word. You don't have time for family altar anymore. You don't have time for any of that stuff because you, all you're eating is going by Taco Bell. And they think that's what Mexican food is. Don't have time. I'm serious, folks. I am serious. One that's had kids in her kindergarten class, they thought chicken was chicken nuggets. They didn't know chicken came on bones. Am I telling the truth? That's the truth. They didn't know. Because they live life so fast. And we wonder how come our, how, why do we have such a high percentage of our kids failing in church today? I can tell you why they're not being discipled because the family is too busy to disciple. The cares of life is crowding it out. You got to set some priorities. And Jesus has got to be right up there at the top. We made some tough choices in our family as kids. Our girls were so deprived. All all of their doll houses and doll furniture was made out of throwaway styrofoam and cardboard that I carved it out for them. They were so deprived. <clears throat> my boys' bicycles were ones that were throwaway bicycles that we repaired and fixed up. And the reason is because we made the choice to live on a single income. So we set our standard of living here because we put some other things as priority in our life. You want to know what's crazy, though? Down the street, there were kids that had all the bells and whistles. Well, in fact, one girl, I don't know, she had dozens of dolls. She had all the latest doll houses and all that stuff, but they played at our house. With my girls, cardboard and styrofoam doll furniture. Well, they had all the expensive stuff at home. They played at our house. You know why they wanted to play at our house? Our house had love. Our house had peace and joy. So we've, we've bought into a lie. You know what kids really want? You. That's what they really want. And they really want Jesus. But we make choices. We make choices about our time. The other side of the weeds is drama. Living in nonstop drama. And, and there, are, there are people, they, they so live in drama when they don't have drama in their house they go borrow it from somebody else's house. And they listen to their drama and then come home with it. Really? Why? Because worry, fear, and anxiety is their life. They think that's life. 
And they don't know that there's resurrection life where worry, fear, and anxiety doesn't even have an entrance. You build a wall. Scripture means it when the scripture says that he will surround you with his favor like a shield. And God will put that shield around you and worry, fear, and anxiety. Oh, yeah, the enemy will try and shoot rockets in there with fear, with, with, with fear worry, and anxiety. That almost didn't come out right. And when, when, and when he shoots those rockets in, you quench it with the shield of faith. Yes. And you're living free from that drama. And what that does is that gives the room in the soil of your heart for the word of God to flourish. Yes. Am I making sense? Yes. Now the last thing he talks about is that good soil. That soil where the hard path has been plowed up. That soil where the rocks have been removed and where the deep plows have come in and plowed deep and where the weeds have been taken out And there's that good soil. It's what he's talking about in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. When he says this, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Wow. See, a a, a good heart like that, a good heart like that, the seed of God comes in. And when the word of God comes in, it, it, it takes root and it starts growing. Then pretty soon you're believing God for things you, you didn't think you'd ever be able to believe God for. You're, you're able to trust God. And, and when, the, when the world throws a storm at you, your, your house doesn't, doesn't crumble. It stands solid because it's, it's built on the trust of Almighty God and his word. It's, it's flourishing. And, and, and when, when you're going through seasons and times where maybe just, just living on this earth, disease comes. Car wrecks come. Financial reversals come. We, we live in a fallen world. That stuff happens. But you've got a promise from Almighty God. And you're trusting and you're standing. And in the midst of that, your life is flourishing And the world looks on and goes, how do you do that? How do you do that? My my pain doctor doesn't know how I do it. He goes, I don't don't know how you do that. How'd you do that? Prayer. Almighty God, prayer. Went from literally crawling on my belly. That's how I got out of bed in the morning. Back playing golf. How'd you do that? Miracle from God, but faith. Aaron, Don Swagger, other men in the church prayed for me. I believed. And when the enemy has tried to steal it, folks, the enemy will try and steal it. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. God heals very, very well. Yes, yes, yes. But look, look what he says. Guard your heart. The Hebrew word is keep. To watch over. To protect. 
your heart with all diligence. The Hebrew word there for diligence is literally put a military guard. You're guarding your heart with all diligence. You constantly have a watchman watching out over your heart. Watching, watching. The watchman on the wall. The watchman on the wall. And he he sends out a signal. Enemy fire coming in. Raise up the shield of faith. Come on. You guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life. Issues of life. Literally. Things spring into being. That place in your life where things spring into being. Now watch this. Stay with me. This is, the, this is the closing part of this message, and this is so important. Watch closely. You wonder why you've not been able to conquer that addiction. You wonder why you have not been able to live at peace, why you're, you, you, you haven't been able to conquer depression, conquer worry, conquer anxiety. Why haven't I been able to do that? You wonder why you just can't seem to make relationships work. Why? Why? You, you, why? Why, why, can't I, why, why can't I just really walk with God? I want to walk with God. Why can't I? Because of what's in your heart. What's in your heart continually keeps that springing to life. Your thought life, your memory, your conscious and your subconscious mind. In there is springing out the life of addiction. Is springing out the life of depression. Is springing out the life of worry, fear, and anxiety. Is springing out the life of broken relationship. It's springing out resentment. It's springing out bitterness. It's springing out all your negative past. How you lived as a child. It's springing out your victimization. That's all springing out of your mind, out of your heart. That's what's springing out. If you want something else to come out of that, you've got to get that out and put life in. Am I making sense? You have to get that old stuff out and put the new stuff in that brings life. Oh, now that sounds like we're back to what we talked about two weeks ago. Exactly. See, you, you stand with me, would you please? You have to take a look at your, please come worship team. You have to take a look at your heart. Look, now, look here. Please. I know I, I, I spoke unusually long this morning. This message from God to you is a game changer. If you will take the time to weed out that stuff that's been feeding the addiction, that's been feeding the negativity, those those rocky places in your heart of disappointment, of resentment, of bitterness, of pain I could not consistently win over my addiction 
until I was willing to give up the resentment of my mom divorcing my dad when I was five years old and then the years of abuse that followed that when I gave that bitterness away When I refuse to let that stay in my life, when I made the decision, I am not holding on to this one more day. I renounce it. I turn from it. Lord Jesus Christ, you made me a new man. That man doesn't live anymore. I am a new man. I refuse to identify with that one more day. When I did, that addiction left just like that. Because that which was feeding that life was gone. You have to make an exchange. You have to let Holy Spirit plow really deep and get those rocks and get that hard soil beaten out. Get those weeds out. There are some of you, you need to do this. Listen closely. You need to shut off social media for two weeks. You need to shut off the talking heads for two weeks. You need to take your iPhone and you need to get the scripture and you need to listen to the scripture 24-7. When you go to sleep, have the scripture playing. You go to sleep listening to the scripture. You got to put the scripture there. You got to get the weeds out. You got to get the scripture. You just plain don't have enough scripture in there to sow the life that you need to have in there. You got to get the word in you. For a number of years, our kids went to sleep at night with the scripture playing. They went to sleep at night listening to the scripture. And they slept all night long. The scripture played all night long. We sowed the word in them so that the word would be what they live by. You gotta live by the word. This is a game changer. Then when those thoughts come, those old thoughts come, those old images come. When you need a healing and the old image comes and you replace it quickly with the word of God, with the promises of almighty God. We're going to end today by looking at these promises. Go to them for me, would you please? This is how we're going to end today. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. According as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us everything we need. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee for their trust is in the Lord. Deuteronomy 8, 18. He gives us the power to get wealth. There's some of you, you believe it's God's will to be poor because he keeps us humble. That is a lie from hell. He wants to give you the power to get wealth. That's God's will for you. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we were healed. 1 Peter 2, 24. By his stripes we were are healed. Present finished work. He has provided us healing in the atonement. We don't have to pray, well God, if it's your will, heal Uncle George. No, it is his will. Pray with confidence. 
Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply most all of your needs according to his riches and glory. All, isn't it? It's all. By whose wealth? By whose wealth? By the U.S. government's wealth? We don't have any. We're broke. We're in debt. By Bank of America? His riches. How much does he have? In Habakkuk chapter 2, God said this. The gold and the silver are mine. Did you hear that? All the gold and the silver on planet earth is his. And he says to you, according to my wealth, I will meet all your needs. Would you believe God? Believe God. Come on, believe God. Believe God. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. And we know. Would you say that with me? And we know that all things work together for good to them of God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. If you're willing to let his purpose and his call be worked out in your life, if you love him with all of your heart, dear ones, no matter what comes your way, God will make good come out of it. Just ask Joseph. Read it in Genesis. Read the life of Joseph. Look how God made it turn for good. Romans 8.37 And we know that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.